Inner Voices Don't have a monopoly on merit, mine. Alliteration means it's real. But a pink cover doesn't make a book vapid. MBTS, <gasps> dear boy, with love. <laughs> like, just, you're better off just joining us. Find out why we're chiclet for life. <sighs> okay. Okay, like, Chloe, just, just do it, man. Do what? Look, just get the BTS Coldplay collaboration monologue out of the way early so we can, like, get into series six right now. Like, like, are you sure? Like, I mean, yeah, like, we have a lot to say on the book this week. So, like, yeah, we're going to have to do this sooner or later. So maybe as well, like, just get it out of the way first, I guess. Well, like, I mean, if you want me to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. it was so confusing. What again? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> like, like, for real, like, I did not expect a song by Chris fucking Martin to, like, make me cry, man. Not like years like, I'm not even messing. Like, this might be the thing that brings me and my mom together to defeat Kylie and Grace's stranglehold on our home right now. Did you forget how to say home there for a second? But, I mean, yes, if you're going to pull apart everything that I say, yes, I did forget how to say home for a second. It was really scary. I thought I was having a stroke. Thanks for being so concerned, Kleena. <laughs> but, like, hold up for a second. Like, Chloe, your, your mom's a Coldplay fan. Well, like... No, like she, well, like she don't really like their whole YouTube wow situation that they got going on right now. Well, that's fair. Also, that was an impeccable Chris Martin um, impression. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sarah. Also, Kleena, why aren't you like jumping down Sarah's trope for not remembering how to say like impression or nothing? <laughs> is everyone else noticing how much Katie is enjoying the fact that Chloe isn't having a go at her? <laughs> I really am, man. <laughs> but no, 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 no. Back to me, ma. Back to me, ma. She'd like properly give me a dig if she finds out that like I started talking about her and then didn't keep going so yeah she's not into the whole like stadium rock thing that I got going on right now but like parachutes that fierce one like that's properly like one of her like favourite albums ever yeah like that is a killer album man for real proper old isn't it yeah like like 1998 or something Jesus like it wasn't I thought 1998 it was just kind of early Destiny's Child and, and Britney Spears and stuff. Hey, historians will argue, my friends. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the song with, with my boys, with BTS, like, it was, oh, I was just very wholesome in a girl. Yeah, and like, like, kind of, like, stupidly smart was like the only phrase I could come up with for it. A phrase, I take it, you're going to explain. Well, naturally. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like, 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 yeah, a lot of these songs was like pretty formulaic, like particularly like English lyrics wise and stuff. But then there's this line, uh, we are all made of each other. And like the song's called My Universe. And it's like, oh, shit, man. Like, we're all made of stardust. <laughs> like, we're all the same. Like, no one's better than anybody else. And, and like, we're all not really apart when you think about it in time and space or constructs. And, like, why is theoretical physics, like, making me emotional, man? This is a really weird situation that we're all in right now. It's so cute. Like, I have several thousand things in my eye right now. Did you see him? Did you see Chris Martin saying that my JK Pa was all impressive and stuff when he was singing that song. Did you see that, girls? I thought that bit was like a bit mansplaining, no? Like, that could have been the language barrier, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. 
You're gonna have to get them Korean lessons going proper. Though. I know. <laughs> but like, is is that enough? Can we can we do book stuff now? Well, am I not allowed to talk about the plane outfits on the way to the UN, Sarah? Am I not allowed to talk about that? <laughs> you, you have 30 seconds. Okay, 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 okay. okay. So, Jim and Opa looked like a sexy S&M club owner. Yoongi Opa wore a beret and the softest jumper like the world has proper ever seen. Nam Juni Opa brought the $1,500 Kara as a carry-on. Jin Opa's face like eclipsed whatever he was wearing. I still can't remember what it looked like. The Opa looked like he was worried he was going pissed to see on the plane, so he wore his plastic pants, but it's okay because they were Louis Vuitton and he's on record as like the most handsome man in the world. And JK Opa and Hopi Opa had no business making that many colours at once look so good I don't know why he thinks it's okay to try to kill me at every opportunity <laughs> I'm okay like are you sure I'm gonna be real with you Sarah right now like I don't know I genuinely don't know no, no. <laughs> okay okay but this this is this is the first of our um, yeah people what we heart super loads series I can't believe we called it that like did we genuinely ended up calling it that <laughs> Pitched the idea, Katie. I get to name it. Them's the rules, Katie. And actually, if memory serves, I believe we had Chicklet for Life colon endgame on the table earlier on this year, uh, proposed by one particular nerdlinger in the group. Okay, first of all, it was graphic novels, Chicklet Endgame, and you know it was. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was was there a second of all? Like, no, like you guys always interrupt me before I get to the second bit anyway. Why does this always have to be so difficult, man? Okay, so, but yes, yes, this is the first of our, yeah, People What We Heart Superloads series, and, series six. I mean, it just, that name gets classier every time you hear it, doesn't it, girl? <laughs> first up, first up um, is longtime supporter of the show, uh, romance author Kylie Dunbar. Oh, oh, yeah. Kylie! Go, Kylie! Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, but yeah, we, we wanted to do, yeah, we wanted to do one of Kylie's books for ages. She's been, like, ridiculously awesome to us. Yeah, like, you'd think it wouldn't be that big of a deal for us, like, who listens and who doesn't listen to the show, because, like, we're figments of Elsie's imagination, but, like, I don't know about you, but I really do care oh about God, it. same. Like, I mean, it's it's a lot of work making this whole show. Yeah, true that. Did you just say true dash? Like, 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 I'm, shh, sorry, she's talking. <laughs> <laughs> well played. But yeah, being, yeah, an independent show with like no advertising. Well, I mean, except for those times Marion Keys shared our links. Oh my God, well, I mean, she's an actual goddess. Yeah. Step on my neck, Queen Marion. Oh, Queen of Devry. <laughs> Like I get it, but oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Like folks, folks finding the show and like listening to it. It's it's pretty awesome. Like you know, especially especially considering how bad some of the audio was early on. Oh man, like that keeps me awake at night sometimes. Like Jesus, what were we doing with being so heavy handed with noise reduction? Ugh. Like I am not a sound engineer, man. I was doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yes, yes, we are so very grateful to Kylie for her support and awesomeness. And to celebrate that, we wanted to talk about one of her books today, The Borrow Bookshop Holiday. Yeah, so, <laughs> so for anyone that doesn't know, Kylie Dunbar has the most gorgeous website. And instead of a third person bio that, you know, the author definitely wrote themselves, she's got a lovely first person bio, like a note she taped to the Kinder Bueno she left for you on the kitchen table. Oh my God, Sarah, it is like that. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to read it, Chloe? Like, 
like in a Scottish accent. Now, you see, that is exactly why you are not reading it. Yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 curious, 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 curious. Shh, 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 okay. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Kylie Dunbar, author of heartwarming romantic fiction set in beautiful places for Hera books. And um, if you're looking for travel adventures, swoony heroes, and I, Chloe, can confirm that that is the case, um, and dreamy escapism that will let you forget about the world for just a wee while. She said we because she's from Scotland. Um, then I'm your author. Check out my books below. Kiss. Oh my God, you knew she'd read The Kiss, didn't you? I am a master of direction, second only to Scorsese, Sersh. I really want to make an eyebrow joke right now. Well, I keep going with like the blurb thing, Sarah. Yes, and for the love of God, please hurry. <laughs> he has big eyebrows. Okay. So, apply to colon, the borrow a bookshop, bookshop cafe, down along, Clove Lore, Devon. Jude Crowley should be on top of the world. She's just graduated as a mature student, so can finally go public about her relationship with her philosophy professor, Mac. Until, until she sees Mac kissing another girl and her dreams crumble. And worse, their dream holiday, running a tiny bookshop in the harbour village of Clovelore for two weeks, is the non-refundable girls. Throwing caution to... I was turning the page. <laughs> Throwing caution to the winds. Jude heads down to Devon, eager to immerse herself in literature and heal her broken heart. Oh, poor Jude. But there's one problem. <laughs> A sexy problem. Is six foot tall, brooding, but gorgeous. Elliot, who's also reserved the bookshop for two weeks. As Jude and Elliot put their differences aside to run the bookshop, it seems that Jude might be falling in love with more than just words. If you catch my meaning. Until, until she discovers what Elliot is running from and why he's hiding out in Clove Lore. Can Jude find her own happy ending in a tiny tumble-down bookshop? Or is she about to find out that her bookish holiday might have had an unexpected twist in the tale? Okay, I fully forgot how much I love how you say holiday. What? Holiday? (laughs) What? Like what, Katie? It's not how you say it. Uh, Excuse you, I think you'll find it's exactly how I say it. She's got you, Derek. I think a suitable penalty would really be listening to Chloe say holiday 20 times during the excerpt. Like why? Why am I in this friend group, man? Because Clee makes amazing peanut butter cookies. Now shush, Chloe's starting. (coughs) Like no amount of cookies are worth (coughs) this. Okay. Advertisements. A novel holiday idea. Borrow a bookshop invites you to live out your dreams of running your very own bookshop in a historic Devonshire Harbour village for a fortnight. Spend your days talking about books with customers in your own charming bookshop and serving up delicious cream teas in the cosy cafe nook. Get to know our wonderful volunteers, all local, always ready to offer a helping hand. After shutting up shop, climb the spiral staircase to your two-bedroom apartment and settle down to admire the Atlantic views. When your holiday's over, simply hand the keys over to the next holiday maker slash bookseller. Request your booking early, 
currently there is a 19 month waiting list. Small, fully equipped private kitchen and shower room on site. All shop and cafe takings retained by the Borrow Bookshop Community Charity. Apply in writing to Borrow Bookshop, Up Along, Clovelore, Devon. £380 charge per left for 14 days. <sighs> Chapter 1. Gran needs me. Sorry, I say. Not making eye contact because I know I've said this a thousand times before and it wears a bit thin with people. You really won't be coming out tonight. Daniel's looking at me incredulously from behind the yellow lenses of his achingly fashionable chunky sunglasses. You only graduate once. We should be drinking champagne till dawn. There's plenty of champagne here. I say gesturing across the sunny quad to the waiting staff holding their trays laden with bubbly. All around us, families are raising glasses and beaming their approval at their graduating loved ones. I'm not really seeing them though. I'm scanning the spaces between the family groups. Looking for Mac, Daniel prods and I ignore the hint of dismay in his voice. He stops the passing waiter and grabs two tall flutes, pressing one into my hand. He'll be over in a sec, I imagine. I use Daniel's pointed silence to glug my bubbly and put on a good performance of looking just as happy as my classmates who are all milling around in their cliques, signing each other's graduation ceremony booklets and posing for group selfies. Only moments ago, we all processed out of the university's fancy auditorium and into the July glare. Daniel couldn't get a ticket, even though I wanted my best friend there to witness it all. Tickets were limited to three guests per graduate, so he was waiting aside for me, looking handsome as hell in his suit with his dark hair, beautifully quiffed as usual. We, he'd be standing by the doors when we'd all emerge, flowers in hand, red roses, because he knows how much I appreciate Anton resembling a romantic gesture from a novel. Yes, Jude, I feel you. Mum and Dad, I will say Mum in honour of Kylie this once, okay? D- that is the depths of my love for her, okay? Mum and Dad bounded towards us over the lawn. They were the last to leave the ceremony and I just know they were having their usual faffy struggle with the footrests on Gran's knackered old wheelchair. Gran's sailing towards us, glamorous as ever, cooing and waving, but I see her get distracted before she reaches us. Wait a sec, Ronnie, I hear her instructing Mum. She's pointing her walking stick towards the pins table and the sign reading free bar above it. I love you, Gran. And I watch Mum divert her in that direction. Dad's looking so proud as he approaches. I'm not really sure how to react. It's so strange being the centre of attention. He's snapping photos of me and Daniel on his big old camera before his hug knocks the mortarboard off my head. Well done, Shield. You did it. My clever girl. Thanks, I smile. Proud that he's proud. Oh no, he's on the verge of tears again. He's such a softie. I think that's, I think that's where I get it from. Daniel notices and ships in to save us all. Don't you agree we should be celebrating out on the town tonight, Mr. Crowley? She deserves a proper wild night after all that. Nothing stopping her, Dad says, quizzically tipping his head at me. You young ones need a night out every now and again. Young. The last thing I feel today is young. In fact, if you want to feel old before your time, I recommend two courses of action. Number one, dedicate yourself to being a home carer to your lovely gran. Spend your days nipping to the bookies for her, I love her so much, and reapplying her corn plasters and, you know, you see how young you feel. And two, sign up for a part-time degree in your mid-twenties so that you graduate alongside 21-year-olds just as you're approaching your 30th birthday. I was lucky enough to get a part-time place at the Borders campus of an Edinburgh University, so the classes were amazing and only ever a 20-minute bus ride from Gran and the bakery.
I've never felt more mature than when my classmates would ask me if I had kids, I don't, or whether I wanted to join their nights out at the student union bar. I did, but never went. They were sweet, though, and would say things like, it's all right, you can bring your husband along, fully expecting me to be a proper married grown-up like their parents, who probably aren't that much older than me, and not, in fact, a perpetual undergraduate whose idea of a big day out is prize bingo and bacon booty Thursdays down to Senior Citizens Club with Gran and her rowdy mates. See, nothing's stopping us, Daniel's saying, and he's nodding at Gran over by the bar. Doesn't look like your Gran needs you all that much at the moment. Annoyingly, he's right. Mum's left Gran too and is making her way towards us. I watch as Gran chats up one of the uni sports coaches by the bar. She's waving a fag around in one hand and clasping a pims with the other. Fair play to her. The coach guy is laughing his head off. She's offering him a cigarette now. She'll get us all chucked out at this rate. Gran's like that. Gets on with anybody and loves a party. Not like me. Daniel says it's nothing but habit. My love and my comfort zone. And I could shake it off if I really wanted to. And it's kindly meant. I know that. But he wasn't the one stuck at home with care and responsibilities as a teenager. He was free to follow his own life path like all my other classmates. I don't really admit it out loud. But I know how easy it is to lose yourself when you're safe and cosy. Going along with life with no signs of change or escape on the horizon. Letting opportunities slip by becomes your new normal. And after a while you barely notice it. Not until everyone your own age seems to be out escaping and excelling, leaving you behind. Anyway, I'm already thinking about how long I need to stay here before I can ditch this cape and hood thingy that I'm all trussed up in and we can pile back into Dad's van and head home where I'll be able to get back to rereading Persuasion. Yes, I feel you, Jude. Jane Austen is one of the greatest loves in my life. Alongside our bakery's iced Copenhagen slices, my pyjamas and of course Mac... I'd left off at the good bit where steady old Anne Elliot thinks Captain Wetworth is uh, drooling over the impulsive Louisa Musgrave. Oh, Anne, 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 when will you learn? And Louisa's about to toss herself off the cob at Lyme Regis. Remember that, girls? And brain herself trying to impress him. And mum interrupts my dreams of getting my Austin on at home. I hate that. Well done, sweetheart, she says, suddenly planting a kiss on my cheek from nowhere. Mam's and their lipstick, what? Dad's got his camera to his face again and is clicking away, capturing it all, because, I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Say cheese, he calls. That's when I glimpsed him, over Dad's shoulder. Mac and the woman. Actually, I'd call her a girl, and they're walking so close it looks like he's towing her. They're nipping around the back of the auditorium, and I'm sure she's tipping her head coyly and twirling her hair in her fingers. Her giggle reaches me all the way across the quad and just like that I find I'm following them, stalking through the happy crowds in hot pursuit with Daniel's voice, cautioning and grave, ringing out behind me. Jude, Jude, don't. Just like, please stay here. Somehow, tiptoeing after them, I know my narrow little life is about to get even thinner. I know that whatever I see when I round this corner is going to hurt. She's still giggling and... Wait... Mac is joining in. And on my graduation day, when I'd finally reached the top of my game, when only an hour ago I was beaming with pride and achievement. As I prepare to turn the corner and confront them, holding my breath, dreading the sight that awaits me, I think back to when I was waiting in the wings outside the auditorium and what had been my big moment begins to take on a sadder, slightly pathetic appearance in this new light. An hour earlier. I'm next. 
This is it. I'm going sail across that graduation stage like a swan. My heart's thumping because it's just here home that I'm about to be the centre of attention for the first time in my life. One thousand eyes will be fixed upon me and everyone's going to hear my name. But I've had six years to prepare for this and I am doing it. Jude Crawley says the Dean of Arts over the speakers and I'm off up the steps and I'm definitely fighting back big proud sobs. Bachelor of Arts in English Literature. I can hear mum and dad whooping at me from their row but I don't look around and if I were to catch Grand's eye I know I'd dissolve completely. The Chancellor's holding out my certificate rolled in a red ribbon and all I have to do is nod at him, grab it and not stumble in these heels. Easier said than done Jude. Jude Crawley also accepts the Chancellor's Award for Academic, Jesus, for Academic Achievement. I'm getting emotional thinking about my girl Jude right now. The Dean booms and my parents burst into another fit of whistling and yelping. I'm bowing and he's handing me an actual award, a perspex star with my name on it. This is just like that bit in Anne of Green Gables, one of my favourite childhood reads. And I'm Anne Shirley, finally getting her bachelor's degree in spite of 19th century prejudices. Only she's got a teaching career ahead of her and her belly button isn't shown because of a damn cloak and hood thing yanking up her shirt and half choking her. But that doesn't matter though, because this is my moment and I'm beaming through my tears. All that work. Six years and it's finally here. I try not to glance over to where Mac is sitting amongst the stage party here in his official capacity as Head of Philosophy, Dr. Rupert Mackenzie Aubin. Okay. Also known as my secret boyfriend, Mac. Secret boyfriend makes it sound sort of illicit. It isn't really. We're only a secret because he's on his way to becoming a professor and although Mac assures me student-staff relationships aren't strictly against the rules when you're in different departments and a student in question's a mature student, they're not exactly encouraged. I shake the Chancellor's papery hand. He's congratulating me on my success and I have no words other than a whispered, slightly snotty thank you. <laughs> snotty in like the actual mucus way, not snotty as in because mm, you didn't like that. I just wanted to clarify that. Um, I can't resist a little peek at Mac to see his reaction to get another eyeful of him look a little distinguished and owlish in his suit with that brown tie and his little round glasses to make him look like William Butler Yeats, one of my all-time favourite poets. I have things to say about this, but that'll come later. He's not looking at me. In fact, he's staring down at... Is that his phone? Nobody smiles at their own crotch like that. Not in public with the Chancellor six feet away anyway, so he must be texting. Well, that's one way to play a kill. Nobody would ever know I'd spent many evenings over the last eight months listening to him read Camus and Machiavelli and not understanding much of it as I laid my head across his lap and he ran his fingers through my strawberry blonde bob. I remember one time, right at the beginning, when he counted every single freckle on my face and kissed each one and I'd stopped hating my freckles after that. That was only a few weeks after our first meeting when he'd approached me among the library stacks and after a bit of flirty chat, told me I was welcome to peruse his bookshelves at home if I fancied. I blushed and we'd ended up talking for ages and I missed the lecture so we could go to a bar off campus. He's not even clapping. I leave the stage a little wobbly on the stairs, clasping my scroll and my star award and feeling a little deflated if I'm honest. I know things will be different from now on though. Now that I'm a graduate, there'll be no more secrecy and I can visit Mac on campus and openly bring his lunch instead of sneaking into his office under the pretense of being a philosophy student looking for advice about interpreting Plato and whatnot. Only thing is, 
I'd hoped, in fact, I'd fantasized that the secrecy would end today and he'd be grinning at me from the stage and applauding hard. Maybe he'd be misty-eyed, overcome with pride and relief that were out in the open. I know I'm not the only one thinking these things as I make my way back to my road through the packed auditorium and I see grand, tiny and adorable in her best dress, little pink jacket and matching hat, sucking on a Murray mint. Why is it with grandparents and Murray mints? Um, her eyes boring into Mac on stage. You know what's up, Gran. Mum and Dad don't seem to have noticed. Like Ron, they haven't met him yet, so they may not recognise him from his picture on the uni website that I've shown him. Gran's got memory like an elephant doe, so I know she knows who he is. My parents are sniffing and wiping their eyes and doing thumbs up signs at me as I pass. Aw, parents. I hold my award up for them to see and dad snaps a foe. Oh, they're prouder than I've seen them since the day I got my acceptance letter. Apart from that, I don't think I've actually done anything for them to be proud about. I know they're grateful that I helped clean up at the family bakery at the end of their long day's work and they're always telling me about how they'd be lost if I wasn't Grand's carer. I protest that it's fine, never wanting them to feel guilty about it and I tell them yet again that we're family so we stick together no matter what but I know how much they worry about me. They knew that my greatest ambition has always been to study English at university and it was them who encouraged me to give it a try. They know how big this is for me. The first self-improvement, just for me, kind of thing that I've ever done. They saw how much determination and courage it took for me to do it in the first place. But I did it a few years later than most, granted. But I enjoyed every second of my degree. In many ways, it's been my first and only excursion into the real world. I find my seat again. The Chancellor has finished handing out degree certificates and has given an address about how this is only the beginning for us graduates. I don't feel as if he's talking to me though. This is actually the end of my adventure. Now I've stretched my wings and scratched the itch that was my love. No, my obsession with English literature. I'll be heading back to how things were before and that's fine by me, honestly. I'll still be looking after Gran, keeping her company, making our meals and reading to her. Mum and Dad will still work from tree until tree every day in the bakery downstairs. I'll go in and clean the place like I do most afternoons, earning my keep at home, and then we'll all settle down to evenings in front of the telly with my parents exhausted and ready for bed by half seven, and Gran doing her online bingo. Only now, instead of studying at night or occasionally sneaking off to max at nine o'clock, there might be the prospect of more romantic dates on the horizon. Or any dates, for that matter. Mac and I have actually never been out in public together yet. I try not to sight the lovely possibilities this opens up. Kissing under street lights on snowy walks this winter, holding hands in the cinema queue, pretend bickering over whether we should order salty or sweet popcorn and he'll let me have my way because salty is the only option for cinema snacks and we'll laugh and look at each other in a soppy way that'll leave everyone seeing us under no illusions that we are the most starry-eyed couple of all time. Oh, Jude, this makes me so sad. Then there'll be holidays or more likely stolen weekends away, even though it won't be easy to fit into our schedules. I imagine what with Mac working all hours at the uni and Gran's medication to keep up round the clock and the fact that she'll be totally lost and lonely without me if I were to nip off to a couple's resort for cocktails, spa treatments and fancy dining with Mac. But maybe we'll be able to get away over the bank holidays when the bakery's shut and mum and dad can take over my responsibilities at home. Oh, Everyone's suddenly standing up and we're all clapping for some reason. Wake up, Jude. Uh, we're supposed to applaud our lecturers, thanking them for all the attention they've given us during our studies. I'm whistling and clapping exaggeratedly, arms up over my head when Mac finally glimpses me and in the hubbub of the erupting auditorium, he throws me a lusty wink. Bastard. That heats my blood and now it's me having to look away, blushing. <laughs>
When I look back, he's poised and elegant again. His sleek golden blonde hair, now torn a little bit dusty with age, is swept ahead like a real-life Ken doll. Ew. He adjusts his glasses and coolly crosses his legs, observing the graduates lining the front rows. He's smiling. Well, as much as he ever smiles at work. He's very serious in public. Gravitas, he calls it. Being a wanker, I call it. Important to maintain my reputation as a serious philosopher around the faculty. Only I know that he's amusing in private when he's relaxed and we've opened a bottle from his never-ending wine supply. Only the, the uh, best Barolo from his vintner brother in Oxford. Pfft. He gets rosy-cheeked and lets me loosen his tie and I'll cook while he rehearses his lectures for the days ahead. After dinner, we'll lazily kiss and nod off on the sofa. Okay, that does sound nice. Nobody here understands how personable he is in his private moments like that. Nobody knows how his family are all vintners going back generations and that he's gone against the grain. The family's rebel academic. Only I really know him and his life. Oh, Jude. Anyway, it's all academic now. We'll be showing each other off all over the place soon and I'll get to meet his intimidatingly posh parents. Once he tells them I exist, they'll be dying to see me. Won't they? All those future romantic dates, public declarations and fancy occasions are a big consolation for my studies coming to an end and life settling back into its old routines of care and clean and cook and nipping it to put on a bet on one of Grand's dead certs. I love her so much. Things are about to get much simpler at home now that I won't be pulled in umpteen directions at once with the logistical patterns of fitting in my reading, essay writing and attending lectures. Yep, it's going to be good. Oh God, it's so sad. The clapping stopped and I sit down again, accidentally bumping the girl beside me. I smile my apologies. She was in one of my classes, Restoration Theatre and the Comedy and Manners 101, but she doesn't seem to recognise me. Olivia, I think her name was. I didn't really make any proper friends on the course. I suppose I had a reputation as a bit of a swat. I wasn't able to go out for a drink after class, always getting fierce in our assignments and making sure I did all the reading prep. And what pages of handwritten notes as well. While I devoted myself to giving this degree my best shot, some of the younger students had other priorities. Messy relationships and parties, uni societies and shop jobs, summer breaks overseas and gap year planning. I was more focused. I had to compartmentalise my life. There was time for studying and there was time for looking after Gran. And not much left for Anton outside of that, other than nipping next door for a brew in Daniel's kitchen while he filled me in on the latest gossip at the Borders General Hospital, where he works. It's a shame Daniel's not here in the auditorium. He'd be grinning at me across the room and communicating daft, unintended innuendo he'd found in the Chancellor's speech with just a look on his face and we'd be trying not to laugh out loud and spoil things like the two twins sharing the one brain cell that we are. Well, it's like you and me, Katie. <laughs> I scan my eyes across the row at my classmates, all of whom are listening wide-eyed to the Chancellor describing the exciting lives awaiting them. I wonder if I'd have a better chance of making friends if they'd have had an inkling about me and Mac. Perhaps then I'd have a reputation for being secretly wild and risk-taking. A daredevil romantic in an undercover love affair with a glamorous genius. Like something straight out of Mad- Madame Bovary. Oh, it's so sad. They probably saw me as a bit boring if they saw me at all. Well, they'll soon know just how exciting Jude Crawley really is once Mac makes it known that we're together and word gets around. I can't wait. After being so happy and hopeful this morning, it burns a hole in my heart all the more to catch Mac pressing the girl against the wall around the back of the auditorium and watch him whispering in her ear between hungry kisses trailed up her neck. His glasses are steamed up prick and squint on his face and she's still giggling and tugging at his tie and ruffling his perfect hair. Oh, Is it weird that in this moment I'm thinking about how I don't remember him kissing me anywhere outside of his flat or his locked office with the blinds pulled closed? Not worth the risk. 
he'd tell me in a whisper, pulling away whenever I tried to sneak my hand into his as he pretended not to know me in the corridor or in the queue for coffee or in a big multi-storey car park on campus where I'd wait for him after his classes. Oh my God. Girls, Mac is such a prick. Oh my God. Yeah, he's the dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, guys, like, will we we hold off um, for a break and come back and get into this proper? Yeah, you know, we definitely should because we will not be able to stop talking once we start. So let's, yeah, actually stop now and then we can like go properly after. Yeah, you're yeah. right. All right. Okay. Yeah. So you guys, we will be back in just a minute after this for more chiclet for life. Don't go anywhere. You just saw it, didn't you? Your grandmother's immunocompromised and some young fella just spat right in the street in front of you. He pulled down his mask to do it. Just let that sink in. We at Two Woke have developed our patented shame alarm just for that young fella. Put it in your pocket and let our crystal clear sound shame them for a full 20 meter radius and further control the spread of infection. This winter, shame for the good of humanity. Two Oak reserves the right to credit for infection control as a result of shame alarm deployment and application for upcoming humanitarian awards and UN recognition. Two Oak Incorporated does not accept responsibility for any injuries sustained during or after use of the shame alarm. Terms and conditions apply. I am 100% going to order one of those. People in Drumcondra don't be spitting on the ground while you're talking, Bill. I beg your actual pardon. I was walking Benji past the bus stop near Alphonsus Road the other day and some guy just lobbed this huge gross thing at my feet. It was awful. Whoa, Whoa that is, even for me, Serge, that's, that's pretty bad. But I mean, that's my point. This is it. Shame. Shame on anyone that isn't carrying around 17 packs of tissues like an old lady right now. We're... You guys really jealous of girls that always had little packs of tissues in school. Oh my god, yes. What? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I get that. Like, they be the girl that never had, like, a dirty copy or nothing. Yeah, and, like, her pencils were always, like, super sharp, despite you never see them pairing their pencil, like, ever. You guys, this is a weird thing to, like, be this hung up on, like, now. Okay, dude. Be real, right? You had packs of tissues in your school bag in primary school. Like packs of tissues, two types of fruit, and a rice cake in your lunchbox. Like, how do, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, we need to own what we are and where we came from. I uh, hear Sasha. Katie had tissues, but she didn't have no, like, caviar sandwiches. Chloe, how would that even work? I mean, the caviar would just make the bread soggy. And Sasha eats caviar. She admits it right now. What are you talking about? I know what caviar is. Is it doesn't mean I had it for lunch in primary school. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a stop to this before it spirals any further. Excellent call, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. This uh, this guy might be one of the might be one of the lightest books we've we've covered. And what's that supposed to mean? Okay, wow, the army camaraderie is strong right here. Okay, it is nothing to do with the fact that Miguel Kylie is a fellow army. Okay, you're you're not gonna do the fan chant, are you? Well, I mean. I mean, I wasn't going to, but like you keep that tone in your voice. I might rethink that decision right there, Katie Murphy. But yeah, Sarah, I don't think it's like totally frivolous, like as a book with like nothing serious in there at all. Yeah, but like pretty much everything we've talked about so far has had pretty serious undertones like addiction, abandonment, identity, sometimes like emotional or physical abuse. Like that's kind of been what's driven most of the books that we've talked about. Well, like, isn't the fact that Jude has pretty much given up her adolescence and early 20s to look after her grandmother like a fairly 
heavy premise. Right? Like, doesn't she say she was caring for her granny at, like, seven days or something? Like, do you think it's, like, true that there are a bunch of kids out there that have to, like, look after their grandparents and stuff? Well, like, I remember years ago when my nanny Devery was still alive. Like, she used to stay with us half of the time and with my uncle Phelan half of the time. And <clears throat> this was after mommy had left and like when daddy'd go out to the pub, it'd just be me and her. And like she was in a pretty bad way. Like she needed a machine to help with her breathing and like she'd had a few strokes by then. And like I used to be like petrified when she'd take a turn and I'd be on my own with her and like not know what to do. Like that was that was pretty full on. Yeah, that was that was scary. Like how old would you have been then, Kleena? Like 12, 13 maybe? Like seriously, man. Uh, yeah, like it was, yeah, it was shit. Like, <laughs> but what else are you going to do? Like she, she hated strangers. Well, in fairness, she hated everybody. Yeah, my granddad Alan was like that. Like, in fairness, like Jude's nanny was like proper class. Down the yarn bombing. Yeah. Like, what is that? Is that like egg in a place, but like you crochet the eggs? <laughs> like pretty much. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I've got an aunt that like does that all the time with her knitting group out here. Like... Yeah, they need a bunch of stuff and they put it in a park near where they live. Like, the kids in the council already like it. There's, there's like, this, like, you know, those fairy doors and stuff. They've got a bunch of those in there. And then the kids all think that, like, the fairies put up the the knitted stuff. Aww. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm all get sick. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no, like, my point was, like, trauma isn't, like, front and centre. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that, too. Like, we've had people particularly in the last series, like people openly hurting a lot. And this this was super different. Like what was different, what, what struck me as kind of mainly different was that like Jude doesn't blame her family for her situation. Like her gran is her best friend. Oh my God, that was like so sad and lovely at like the same time. Yeah, and like she appreciates that her her parents want to move home to something smaller. Like, even though when they move out of the bakery and the house and all, it kind of, like, if it was me and I was in that situation, I'd feel like I'd kind of lost my home. Like, we were talking about this during the week and, like, I still... I don't get it. Like, why? Why is she so upset that her parents finally get to do what they want after working so hard for so long if she cares about them as much as she does? Like, like she's 29, right? Like, you don't need to have your childhood bedroom still when you're like that age. Yeah, you'd have outgrown it like ages ago. Well, like, I mean, is your room at home your childhood bedroom, Kay? Well, like, yeah, as in it's the same room I had when I was a kid. Okay, and if I remember correctly, you had to go stay at your grandparents there for a month or two while your folks were doing, like, renovations? <laughs> renovations? It's doing you as our house up, Katie. Only pastels say renov... Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right. For the last time, Chloe, we are not posh. User, have user own rooms. Is our pop. <laughs> like me and Dee have our own rooms, Chloe. Yeah, but there's only two of you and like your parents like sleep at the hospital all the time. So like, but I mean, there are like 15 Morphys in that mansion. There right are four of us, Chloe. <laughs> that is six, including Mr. and Mrs. Morphy, Katie. That's five bleeding bedrooms. <laughs> yes, I did stay with my grandparents. 
<laughs> and if I remember correctly, it was, um, and I'm hoping I've got the phrasing right here, um, weird as balls. Everything smelled like marzipan. <laughs> like, how does that even happen? Ground almonds in the bedspread? Like, I mean, it's possible, man. I am running out of ideas right here. But the point is, you were super uncomfortable and had, like, visitor, not home feelings, right? Well, like, yeah, but I mean, I'm 18 and a student. I'm not, like, 29 and ready to move out. But, like, what's to say that Jude's ready to move out right now? Yeah, yeah, like, she's very clear that she's had this whole bubble of looking after her gran with her mom and dad working downstairs and then all of a sudden that's kind of pulled out from under her and there's that whole thing with mac being an actual creep <laughs> like i mean for real like just copy yourself on like what was she doing with him in the forest mm-hmm. place yeah like i mean it creep vibes much <gasps> oh my god such it creep vibes <gasps> okay okay uh like Let's tread a little carefully here, fam. We are technically back on the college radio station right here. In the wake of Me Too, Sarah, IT creep better be like a running scared at the thought that I could be grassing him up right here, okay? I mean, like it is, it's it's just a matter of time before we get thrown off the air anyway. I don't know. I don't know why I'm uh, even uh, Sorry, what this. was that, Sarah? Nothing, nothing. Go on, Chloe. Tell, tell the people about IT creep, I implore you. That's what I thought. That's what I thought you said. Um, yeah, right. Anyway, so yeah, right. I'm sitting in the library during Freshers Week, yeah, last year. Like, checking my, was it last year? Well, anyway, before the lockdown, anyway. And like, yeah, checking my Instagram, minding my own business when like all of a sudden this like proper old bloke starts talking behind me about like how he like cute blondie girls and all and uh just so the people at home can visualize how old this uh, this guy is behind you in the library i don't know like 25 or something old anyway carry on okay so yeah so like of course i'm going to turn around when such crap pickup nonsense is being like thrown my way and like here I turn around and it's this short ass IT guy with like a lanyard and everything like leaning against the wall giving me the once over. Like I swear I've heard this story so many times but it like never gets old. <laughs> I like, know. Doesn't it though? Girls! <laughs> <laughs> so I pack up me stuff yeah and I sort of like give him a look and sort of like sweep past him like I'm Meryl Streep or Beyonce or something because you know they're the same. Like I'm a queen amongst peasants there trying to keep up Jesus Christ. But yeah then yeah anytime I'm in the library he's bleeding there like leering over me like some arsehole creep like he gets my name like after he checks my login like remotely or some shit oh, like yeah. I see him after a lecture so like he's obviously like aware of what classes I'm doing like that's proper weird yeah like why Ew. am I so invested in this I've heard this story before <laughs> isn't it really weird until until girls right I'm walking to the bus stop yeah past the park one day and like he's lying on the grass with his head in like some other first year's lap and I swear girls properly like not even messing she looked like she was 14 like it was proper gross like he needs a psychiatric evaluation immediately gross and like but I'm walking past and he sees me yeah and when he sees me he is up and after me with all this oh it don't mean nothing you're the one I want Chloe like I give a shit go back to your 14 year old looking wimpy girl I take creep I'm not going near you with a shitty stick never mind me fanny you said fanny yes Katie I did I hate to use language was that strong but the situation required it and you know yeah Mac be that level of creepy I'm glad you know Jude not be with him no more she shouldn't be going near him with whore fanny either 
<laughs> yeah, like I, I agree. Like I kind of didn't get the whole, yeah, her being with him in the first place thing. Like she was so insular in general, like her whole self-sufficient life within her family and then nipping out to study English literature because it's the one thing she really loves. Like the idea that she falls for this guy who just shows this passing interest in her, I... I don't know. Like, them creepy WB Yates, like, glasses. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, Creep Alert 101. For anyone unaware of what it is we're referring to, we'd encourage you to revisit our episode on Lucia's War in Series 3, where we talk in no uncertain terms about how creepy we're all sure WB Yates is definitely was so yeah. creepy man <laughs> but the thing is like I thought Jude yeah I thought Jude falling for Mac was actually pretty believable like like she's passively dealing with all of like yeah the life stuff that gets thrown her way including looking after her gran including staying home to do so including having no friends apart from Daniel like did you guys think that like Daniel was a bit like too good to be true how do you mean? Well, like, he's this flawless best friend, yeah? Like, he's waiting for Jude with a bunch of flowers after her graduation. He's, like, having duvet days with her to get over the shock of the whole breakup thing. Like, he's texting her the whole time she's at the bookshop, making sure she's okay. Like, like no one else in the world is, like, that, like, kind and patient, right? Well, like... That's just one side of his character. We only see one side of his character. It wasn't super developed, but, like, it kind of didn't need to be. No, like, everybody in a book needs to be, like, a three-dimensional character. That's how a book is, like, good. No, I totally disagree. Like, how many three-dimensional characters are in your life at any one time? Like, I mean... Especially, like, let's say you were telling someone a story about something that happened to you. Like, like to us, four, five, four, to you. Oh, my God, that was really scary. <laughs> I hurt my brain. But, yeah, to us, like, your brothers and sisters are kind of just names. Like, sometimes we hear about things they do and everything, but, like, we don't know what makes them tick or what, like, deep-seated trauma they might be going through. Like, Daniel, as he appears in the book, is probably not that far away from how we appear in stories you tell your Galway friend group about stuff that happens in college. Shut up, Sersha. <laughs> but, but yes, back back to what I was saying. Yeah. Oh God, Katie. <laughs> yeah. Like Jude's kind of passively like taking on everything that comes her way, like kind of because she has to. Her family is her foundation, so she's on board to do what it takes to make it work. She doesn't fight it, like, which makes it passive, but it's also a ton of work, so she doesn't have a lot of space for herself, yeah? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so all that's going on. Plus, she's escaping into novels to keep herself well, like it's her safe space or whatever. And in these novels, all the women in there are passively dealing with what comes their way. Either it's ending well and they're saved by a bloke, Jane Austen, or screwed over by a bloke and died. Thomas Hardy and like it makes sense that the second someone that's like remotely attractive and interesting like shows Jude the slightest bit of attention she's gonna think they're the capital A answer I guess like it's I don't know yeah it's like it's kind of interesting that like the holiday kind of lands in her lap too like it all comes her way she doesn't but I suppose yeah it makes sense that she wouldn't go out and find something because that's not in her nature, yeah. Yeah, like, even though Jude was 
yeah, really passive and just kind of taking what's handed to her. Like that is, which is true. Like she still does all those things. Like she could have just not gone to college and just looked after her grand and helped out around her parents' bakery until she couldn't anymore. Like and then what? Like does she just join a convent or something? Yeah, convent is my exit plan. Oh my God, I thought it was just me. What? No, no, like they give you housing and food and you just have to pray all the time and like that's the end of it. The end, like that is concerning, you guys. No, it's not. Like it's just, you know, things get a bit much and there's too much responsibility and too many decisions you have to make. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like like, there's the idea that someone else could be managing all of that for you, you know, even if it is the bishop. It's the bishop heading up the convents as well. Uh, do you know, I never got that far into the research. Ah, sure, look. You guys! Not here. Like, it's just a coping mechanism thing. But, but no, the book. Like, yeah, for me, I thought it seemed really, like, like, not brave. That's kind of patronising. But, like, yeah, it was class that Jude went to college, that she went out with Mac, even though he was a total prick, and that she applied to the bookshop holiday thing and then went when she got the chance. You know, she could have just, you know, become a nun. <laughs> yeah, and, and the bookshop, the bookshop is gorgeous. Like. Oh my God, did she just have like so much anxiety over like how Jude was going to know which books were where in like the shop? Like, <gasps> like how would she even do that? Oh my God, yes. Like, what if someone came in looking for a vegan cookbook and I didn't know where to send them? Like, I would have been up at five in the morning baking and trying to map out what books were where on the shop floor. Right? Like, I mean, I work in the deli and the shop over in the garage and like, <laughs> it's not no holiday. Well, like, I mean, you don't work with Kim Nam June clothes, so... Okay, okay. So are we going to talk about how the leading man in this build is Kim Nam June? Can we please get this out of the way so I can actually rest easy in my life right now? <laughs> Okay, but, but I think first we're gonna need some some backstory clothes. But Sarah, I want to talk about my Nam June theories. <laughs> so clearly, clearly, um, from the excerpt and the blurb, yeah, it's it's pretty clear that Jude goes alone to Devon to to run a bookshop as part of a quirky bespoke holiday thing. You know, there's actually a place in Scotland that really does that. You're messing. Like, did you not read the acknowledgments? Who reads the acknowledgements in a book? We're in there, Chloe. What? Yeah, yeah. Kylie thanked the show for keeping her company over lockdown. You really don't read the acknowledgements in books? Well, girls, you have shown me the error of my ways. What if Alex Ferguson tanked me in his autobiography? There's no way I know! <laughs> Alex Ferguson. I swear I couldn't think of no one else. It was real weird, Katie. Anyway, Jude, Jude travels down to Devon to run this bookshop for two weeks and is greeted by the bookshop's owner, Joan, and his lovely but dishevelled and grumpy dog, Aldous, and gets up, uh, yeah, gets gets all set up to reconnect with herself, like alone in this solitary voyage of self-discovery. Until Kim Nam June his own self arrives. <laughs> Until... <laughs> Yeah, it turns out that another lone traveller is booked in to share the bookshop running situation for the two-week period with Jude, a very tall, very strong, very smart, very clumsy... K-pop idol named Kim Nam Joon. Gentleman named Elliot. But yes, Chloe, get your list of Nam Joon theories out of your system so that we can talk about this properly. Oh, and just so that we're clear, Nam Joon, or RM, his stage name, is the lead rapper um, and leader of Korean musical group BTS you may have heard of them <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. so like 
Elliot. Yeah, he'd be showing up, yeah, because he wants to be a solo bookshop holidayer as well, right? And Joanne suggested that he share with you. But Joanne, what? Because, like, the booking was made under prickface Mac's name. He rang wanky bollocks Mac, who fucking said it was okay to prick. Calm down, Chloe. Sorry, all right? He just, he just upsets me, you know? Yeah, yeah, we... <laughs> We do, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, right? Elliot be showing up and like trying not to freak out Jude or nothing and being all like respectful because there's only one bedroom and he not like that. So like he drags a mattress downstairs and like knocks loads of shit over because he's Kim Nam Jun. We we should clarify BTS's illustrious leading member is a very tall, decidedly muscular young man that breaks stuff on the actual regular. He can't help it, Sarah. He doesn't have his own strength, you know? Or... That when his stylist puts him in certain pants in in certain fabrics, we we need to all take a moment before we can carry on with the rest of our day. Or like the billboard performance. <gasps> Katie Murphy with the double top watches me on. Okay, okay. One, there was no zoom necessary. Real talk, real talk. And two, you are running out of Elliot is Nam June time right here. <gasps> oh my God, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no, he'd be like super like ripped and tall and like properly trying to like rain destruction down on all of us like in so many ways. Yeah, and he smells nice. Yeah, we would actually like to personally um, thank Kylie for continuing us explicitly on our journey of leading men what smell real nice. (laughs) I think I do prefer thinking it on my own, though, like without being told. Why can't you let us have nice things? You know, I think I just hate seeing you happy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do want to go back to the vet thing for a sec, though, because I actually made a specific note on the page. So, yeah, um... Uh, Elliot is like super into animals and stuff and we actually find out that he he has like veterinary experience um where is it oh yeah 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 here so so yeah there's a veterinary emergency and and the lovely lady vet in the practice they go to is all to him like oh I really admire your work but like Elliot is super super cagey about it I actually have the all caps note right here a dark sexy Nam Juni secret <laughs> you are so cute it's property of sentencers it's a curse <laughs> but yes obviously we can't go into his dark Nam Juni secret for obvious reasons. But I mean, I will be starting a petition to have that plot point referred to as Elliot's DNS. Well, I mean, already done, fam. And signed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with this being a pretty much straight up strawberry boba slushy of romantic fiction deliciousness. Wow. Yeah, my teeth hurt all of a sudden. <laughs> but like, yeah, we've we've obviously got like yeah, a romantic get together in here. We, like, like, I mean, wouldn't it be great, though, if that, like, didn't happen and, like, romantic authors, like, tried to, like, dismantle the whole idea of the romantic novel from, from like, the inside? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Oh my God, Katie, if you want to read Sally Rooney, just read Sally Rooney. You hate Trinity students, remember? She's got a point, fam. Remember when we went to that gig that same night as the Trinity oh, ball? Oh, my God, Fikra, who is that guy? I thought you knew him. Is he just some randomer? Like... Like, that was my uncle's VIP card, and I'll be in, like, such shit if he finds out I got some piebald country person we don't even know into the member section. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I just can't, man. I mean, it's pretty troubling that you'd paint an entire student body with the same brush like that, Katie. <gasps> oh my god, Katie, I can't believe <laughs> you're being racist against Trinity students right now. <laughs> you brought it up, man! <laughs> well, I mean, girls, I just want to say, on air... 
All right. That I personally, unlike Katie, do not have a problem with Sally Rooney or anyone that has gone to or is currently attending Trinity College Dublin. All right. Just like I don't have a problem with light or romantic fiction, Katie. Right. Stuff being light. Don't make it bad. If we didn't have PG Woodhouse, we might not have like Stephen Fry or Blackadder or any of that hilarious social commentary out of Oxford Lights that you think is so important. Hey. I told you that. That don't make it wrong, Saoirse. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's true. Like, like so many of the celebrated, like, classics are, like, not only, like, light, but are, like, full-on adorable love stories. Like, all of Austin's back catalogue. Like, A Room with a View, The Age of Innocence, North and South. The list goes on, man. But, like, aren't we supposed to be, like dismantling the patriarchy and everything but like what part of the book upholds the patriarchy though like Jude goes out on her own to do something for herself for like the second time ever with the first being going to college in the first place she puts her foot down when Elliot shows up to maintain her own boundaries and keeps them up until she doesn't want to anymore I'd argue that having that as part of a standard hetero love story is it's a pretty big deal yeah yeah I just I sort of feel like I shouldn't have enjoyed the book as much as I did. I knew it! (laughs) (laughs) What was there to to feel bad about liking? You know, like I say, there's there's steps in there towards bringing a female character out of, like, wanting to be saved to being, like, an equal... equal participant in this love affair. The sexy consent was in there. Oh, man, that was proper hot. Okay, I knew that too, but I'm less shocked by it. <laughs> Ditto. Oh my god, is this like really exclusionary of you, Clay? Like, no? Like, I cared about both characters and like seeing them get together and be so into each other was like really nice, you know? Plus, plus there was nothing particularly like anatomical in there. So I was able to like enjoy the emotional excitement stuff without actually coming in direct contact with Willy. He <laughs> <laughs> said, "Willy, dude, are you like seven? <laughs> like, yeah. We, we did also have like moaning into each other's mouths during the kissing. Yeah, yeah, love a bit of moaning into people's mouths. It must be said, girls. I am horrified, batches." <laughs> Chloe, you were disappointed we didn't have as much Elliot in his nudie rudies as you were expecting. That that is the technical term, by the way. What nudie rudies? Like, why do you say stuff like that, man? It's so infantilizing. Like nudie rudies instead of naked. Like holy God's house instead of like the church or whatever. I'm adorable. <laughs> Don't listen to Rosera. Like Katie just hates joy. That's all that is. <laughs> And, like, the thing is, like, as much as, yeah, I like realism and hard-hitting truths and, yeah, seeing my own trauma in books and everything, like, it's just, oh, it's nice to think that sometimes, like, life is lovely, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I was thinking exactly that when I was reading, like, like, I did have this feeling when I was reading it, like, oh, you know, is this kind of same as eating a bar of chocolate like I'm not supposed to be enjoying a straight up love story but like trauma doesn't need to be like front and centre all the time we do suffer and that is something that takes years decades to get past for like a vast number like maybe even the majority of people but like sometimes life is just really gorgeous and like why can't we just enjoy that and like celebrate that sometimes yeah and like Yeah, just because, like, trauma isn't front and centre, like, 
It is there, like Judith so used to power and true, keeping her head up to preserve her dignity, doing all of her crying in private when she can't take anymore. Like that's a pretty familiar experience. And it's it's pretty cool when the protagonist doesn't die of a heroin overdose or go back to their abusive husband or decide to take over the crime syndicate. Like it's it's pretty critical to believe that things can work out. Exactly. Pain like doesn't equal worth. Yes, life is chaos and we don't need to see Elliot's incredibly difficult encounter with testicular cancer in five years or Jude's series of miscarriages in seven to to know that like pain pain is not what we're documenting or celebrating here it's the moments when for a second you know we get to win shit man I don't know that we're going to top that maybe we should just stop here Well, God, Jesus Christ, okay, take five minutes and get it out of your system. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so first off, the phrase big blousy bonk busters involving sexy equestrians might be the best thing anyone has ever written and I will need to read 7,000 such books in the coming weeks to satiate my curiosity. Thank you very much, Jilly Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> we are all fully behind you, Clay. Oh, God, thank you. Okay, and second off, I really appreciate that there was a realistic depiction of how seagulls are going to organise an airtight attack on humankind and we will all soon be enslaved in their seaside fish gutting plant. She's like, I texted you that. Yeah, but I needed a second thing for balance. Like, what is the point? What is the point? (laughs) Book, yes. Most importantly, there were so many BTS references in here. I love you so much. Like, there weren't that many, man. Uh, excuse you. Okay, in Morphe, there were llama keychains that Jin Pao would have absolutely bought given half the chance. There were K-pop finger hearts. Jude did a happiness squawk at one stage, and I heard Jimin do it in my actual head at the same time. And, oh my God, girls, I just realized Jude wears Converse High. Oh my God, how is this? Like, is this what Woodward and Bernstein felt like? Like, yes, I did watch all the presents men last night. Robert Redford would absolutely get it in that film. Like, for actual real. What? Are you talking about Robert Redford? I can't work like this. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't mention the phrase I-, I will never not be thinking about you. Like, we cried for days after J.K. Opa covered that song. How dare you call him J.K. Opa, Sirsha? He's our Opa too, Clay. He is your Samchon at best, Sirsha Flannery. Like, what does Samchon mean? Uncle. Oh, you're... You're doing lessons? Yeah, super slowly, but yeah, yeah, I want to I wanna get more into jokes on Ron BTS. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm going to need to put a stop to this. This is this has gone so far off track, it's not even funny. No, Sarah, I want to talk more about Jude wearing Converse High and how Katie mysteriously started wearing Jordans approximately a year ago. Like, they are just more comfortable and it has absolutely nothing to do with that song, okay? The Borrow a Bookshop Holiday is available on Kindle, Apple Books and all reputable booksellers. In the spirit of the book, we'd urge you to buy a physical copy at an independent retailer instead of contributing directly to Jeff Bezos' next space adventure. But 
that is just us. Sarah, you have a Kindle. And the shame haunts me from one end of the day to the next, Chloe. Oh, hard shame, mine. <laughs> you can find out more about Kylie at kyliedunbar.co.uk and follow her on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook just like we do. <laughs> And of course, catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or indeed wherever you get your tasty, tasty content. If you were on for subscribing and leaving a view, that would be the soundest thing ever. We are obviously a shoestring operation done out of love and caffeine and reviews and shares really, really do help. Um, Speaking of shares, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Facebook for all the nonsense and extra content that we like to put out there when we have a second between classes. Imaginary classes, but classes nonetheless. (laughs) We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode on Arya Winters and the Tiramisu of Death by our girl Amita Murray. Um, Until then, mask up, stay hydrated, be sound to each other and we will see you later for more Chicklet for Life. Alright. Alright lads, it's Pussy here at Two Tours One Chain. You can remember that we were talking about the app we were making, yeah? So you can organize your bike repairs wherever, whenever you need them. But like, do any of you know how you make like a app? Like Jono thought it'd be the same as like The Sims and all, but like it's not. So like I was right and everything. But yes, if any of you are know how to make an app, stall it down to Jono's gaff on the Old Fingless Road and we'll. Well, like, we don't have that much, like, profits or nothing right now, not since that new tour place opened up in Fisber, but, like, that's, that's why we need the app, yeah? So, like, yeah, stall it down! And in the meantime, if you need Anton done with your bike, don't go to the new tour place in Fisber. Come on down to two tours, one chain. Air prices cannot be best. Two tours, one chain. Why are you just saying it was like the same? You bleeding did, Jono.